done it yet. It's New Year's Day, and although technically no different than any other day, you know, we've been talking about, you know, the passing of time, and that's what we think about on around this time of the year, on New Year's, um, the be- passing of one year, the beginning of another year, and inevitably, um, we kind of think about, you know, the past and, you, you know, events of significance, uh, all the news magazines, you know, they have the top 20 stories or the top interesting pictures of 2011, and we look back, and, uh, and, when, and sometimes we think about our own lives and uh, how things have gone for us, our successes or even our failures. And, but we also look to the future at this time, as kind of Al was suggesting and uh, and and how we might like the coming year to be different or better and uh, and so I ask again have you done it have you made your new year's resolutions okay there's a survey of over 300,000 people and uh, of their new year's resolutions here are the top 10 that surfaced most often Spend more time with family and friends, exercise regularly, lose weight, quit smoking, enjoy life more, quit drinking, get out of debt, learn something new, help others, and get organized. So, these are all honorable goals, no question about that, and maybe some of them are actually on your mental list, if not a written, if you haven't actually written them down, but let's take this a step further than just these kinds of things and ask are you satisfied with your relationship to God? Uh, your closeness, worship, your study, your service, your transformation, are you becoming more Christ-like? And that, how does that play into the relationships that you have that are most close, the, the, the closest relationships and those most meaningful? Well, we all know the problems with New Year's resolutions, and that is we have great aspirations, but uh, often little follow-through. And sometimes we wonder, will we ever change? Will anything ever be any different? Well, I can't offer you any magic formulas or any guarantees or any three steps, and, and this, this is, we'll do it. But the Word of God does teach about this. Now, it doesn't teach about New Year's resolutions as such. But it teaches about the kind of character that we must seek, the kind of character that achieves the things in life that are important and achieves the things that are important in our relationship to God. And that's what we want to look at today. We're going to be looking today. We're going to go back to Acts next week. But today, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at a character in the book of Proverbs called the sluggard. And uh, it's a study in contrast, really. By, by looking at the sluggard, we are able to see the, 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 the negative qualities in the sluggard. We're able to see the, quali- the positive qualities that God desires in our lives and which make us useful and transform people. And so today I've entitled it, The Discipline for godliness. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 to 34, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And we, we have here a study of the sluggard shows us the necessity of discipline if we're going to achieve godliness in all areas of our life. 
Now, we always set our passage up by way of context, okay? Well, the book of Proverbs is one of the few books of the Bible that doesn't really have an immediate context of the verses or passages because the book of Proverbs is really a collection of sayings of wisdom and they're really not arranged in any specific order. Uh, And so what goes immediately before or after a specific verse may or may not be related to it, as is the case with probably all the other books of the Bible. The context in which the passage is found is dependent upon understanding, is depending upon what goes before and what goes after. But it's not the same with Proverbs. However, there is something of context that is very important to understand in reading and studying the Proverbs. Proverbs are basically observations and statements and conclusions about life. They're just kind of a straightforward statement. Okay? For example, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That's just a statement. There's no imperative stated in the verse like, you should do this or not do that. The statement basically says, if you're negligent, you will be poor, and if you're diligent, you will prosper. That's kind of what the verse says. But, what we need to understand is that it's not merely, the Proverbs are not merely observations. There is a divine imperative contained in the observation. And God is saying through the proverb, don't be negligent, but rather be diligent. Let me give you another example. Again, an observation, a statement. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Okay? It's an observation that a gentle word in a heated discussion can calm things down, but a harsh and attacking words tend to escalate things. So, do we just read that and say, oh, that's interesting, nice observation? No. There's a divine imperative from that that we should seek to speak with gentle words to avoid escalating discussion into an argument. That's the imperative from the verse. So when we look at the teachings of Proverbs about the sluggard, which we're going to do today, they are not just entertaining and lighthearted observations about this character. Some of them are actually quite amusing. But in the sluggard, there is a divine imperative for us as well. All right, so let's look at our passage now. And in verse 30, we have the setting for this little uh, story, this proverb. I pass by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. So in this verse, we see two things. We're introduced to the sluggard, who is also called, in Hebrew parallelism here, a man lacking sense, which is a further description of him. And we also see the responsibility that the sluggard has been given, and that is the care of the field or the vineyard. So I want to look at both those two things before we move on to the next verse in the passage. First of all, the responsibility. The sluggard has been given the responsibility to care for the vineyard. It was his job to watch over the vineyard to ensure its fruitfulness, that it would be productive. So he had to clear rocks out from the field, and and then he would use them to make a a wall or a fence-type thing, a protection around the vineyard. He would have to maintain that wall in order to keep it in good repair, to keep out animals and other intruders. And this is not at all uncommon. In fact, um, when we travel in El Salvador, every piece of property has a fence or a wall around it. 
I mean, that's just the way their mentality is. Every piece of property has a fence of some kind to keep unwanted things or people out. And so that's, that's the idea there. And so that wall was important. And then he had to cultivate the vineyard to keep out the weeds, which would quickly overtake uh, the growth there, the, the, the vines, and, and choke them out. And these were among his responsibilities. So that's what the sluggard, this individual, had been entrusted to do, to take care of the vineyard. Okay? Now, let's look at the sluggard himself. I want to go in some more detail here. He's an interesting character that appears several times in the book of Proverbs. He's a char- As I said, he's a character of contrast, and we're to learn from the sluggard by not being like the sluggard. Okay? He's presented... And, and, and says, that's a sluggard, you don't want to be like him. Okay, because of the consequences of his actions and behavior. All right, I want to look at a few passages where the sluggard is mentioned. First of all, from chapter 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. So the sluggard is told to learn a lesson from the ant. Okay? The ant has something that the sluggard needs. The ant offers two things. First, the ant, we're told here, has no chief officer or ruler, meaning that the ant does its work. It does, the ant does what ants do and whatever is necessary without being forced to do it. He doesn't have anybody, there's no big chief ant cracking a whip over them, you know. And so therefore the ant is self-motivated and has self-discipline. Okay, the, the, the ant, okay? Doesn't have anyone telling them what, what to do. They just do it. Second, the ant looks ahead and sees what is necessary to do now for the future. The ant prepares the food in the summer and, ga- so, and then gathers a provision in the harvest. And so the ant, this little ant... It has foresight to plan ahead. Okay? It doesn't procrastinate and wait to the last minute. So the sluggard lacks these qualities and needs the qualities of the ants. We have some kind of noise. You know what that is? You know what that noise is or something? All right, let's look at another verse. Chapter 6 and verse 9. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Here we see that the sluggard is given to excessive sleep and laziness. It's like, how much sleep do you need? (laughs) Get out of bed. Get off the couch. The point is that he is negligent in doing what he needs to do because of his laziness. Okay? Study in contrast. You see it in the sluggard, and you don't want to be like that. All right, another one in from chapter 10. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one, and that's the same word for sluggard there. Just translated differently, but it's the same word. So is the lazy one to those who send him. Well, here, <coughs> the lazy one, the sluggard, has been given a task. Someone has sent him, okay? So is the lazy one to those who send him. So he has been sent on some kind of task, some kind of job, some kind of mission. But the manner in which he fulfills it 
is like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. It's irritating. It's frustrating. He's irresponsible and cannot be counted upon or trusted to complete the task. He's been given the task, but he doesn't follow through and he doesn't do what he's told to do. It's like vinegar to the teeth, you know, just kind of puts you on edge and makes you grit your teeth and smoke to the eyes. It's, it's just irritation. Chapter 13 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. So here we see that the sluggard, he has desires. Okay? He, he craves, he wants, he desires, but he gets nothing because he simply won't do what is necessary to get what he desires. In contrast, the diligent person, the one who works hard, is made fat, meaning he prospers and he's able to attain and achieve his desires. Why? Because he is diligent. Because he applies himself. Because he's not like the sluggard given to that excessive laziness and irresponsibility. Procrastination. Okay, chapter 19, verse 24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. I think there's a little hyperbole here. But the sluggard has been given food. But he's too lazy to eat it. And I think the point is that he refuses opportunities that are given to him. He's been given a chance to eat, but he won't even take advantage of it. Chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Here the sluggard is clearly used as a warning. Since he doesn't plow when he should, he has nothing at the harvest, so he must beg. He neglects his responsibilities and then he must bear the consequences. We're going to see that become clear in our own proverb that we're looking at here in chapter 24. But he never seems to learn. Chapter 21, the soul, the desire of the sluggard puts him to death for his hands refuse to work. I don't know that that means literally his desire puts him to literal physical death. It could be, but again, if so, it would be hyperbole. But the sluggard's refusal to work makes his life miserable. We might say, uh, well, well, he has desires, but his desires put him to death. We might say they eat him up. His desires eat him up. Well, because he will not do what he needs to do to achieve his desires, or his needs. Okay, He has them, but he's not willing to do what is necessary to attain them. And so, and, and, and so they just kind of eat him up. They, 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 they're killing him, so to speak. And then, this is one of my favorites here, chapter 22, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. Oh, she'll be slain in the streets. What's, what's going on here? What's he doing? He's making up excuses so he won't have to go out and go to work. Okay? There's no lion outside his door. I mean, sure, there might be like one in ten million chances that 
you know, a lion escaped from the zoo and is outside his door or something. It's just an excuse. He's rationalizing his slothful behavior. He always has a reason or excuse why he can't do what he's supposed to do. There's a lion outside. I might get slain. And then another one, chapter 26, verse 14. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. And this is simply another picture of his laziness back and forth, side to side, rather than getting out of bed and doing what he needs to do. So, what is a sluggard like? Well, if we put all these together, he lacks self-discipline and foresight. He's a procrastinator, he's lazy, he's irresponsible, he lacks diligence to pursue what he desires, he neglects his responsibilities and must bear the consequences of them. His life of unmet need and desires makes him miserable, and he makes excuses and rationalizes his life of laziness. So that's who the sluggard is. That's a composite picture of the sluggard. And so when we read the word sluggard here, we want to read it in that context of all of these the qualities, characteristics of the sluggard. Okay? Alright, now let's go back to our passage. The sluggard... whom we see now, has a responsibility for the vineyard. And now we see the condition of the vineyard and his failure in verse 31. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles, its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. So, what's the condition of the vineyard for which the sluggard had been given responsibility? It was a disaster. It was in total disrepair. It was covered with weeds, choking out the vines. The protective wall was in ruins, allowing anything or anyone to access. The sluggard had failed in all of his responsibilities, and as a result, the vineyard is fruitless and useless. And so then, the composer of this proverb says, When I saw... I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. The writer of the proverb reflects upon what he sees as he passes by the vineyard of the sluggard. And he begins to notice something, begins to notice a relationship between the sluggard and the condition of the vineyard. He says, I... I looked and I received instruction. I began to realize something. I learned something. I'm beginning to put two and two together here. And this is what he learned in verses 33 and 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. Now what does he mean in verse 33? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. This is the attitude and the character of the sluggard. Just a little more sleep. I'll do it later. I can't do it because of whatever reason. All of the characteristics that we have seen in those other verses about the sluggard are plugged right in there in verse 33. He's saying, this is the sluggard. Okay, this is the life. This is the character of the sluggard. He says, if you take the attitude and the character of the sluggard, verse 33, then... Verse 34, your poverty will come as a robber and your want 
like an armed man. Poverty is not necessarily to be understood in the sense of economic poverty as we use the term today, but your poverty is a state of being in want. And, and, and it will come as a robber. Literally, that means it will come marching. And it will come, he says, your want will come as an armed man. It will come with force. And the idea is the certainty of it and the inevitability of it. And the lesson is this. He saw the relationship between the sluggard and the total destruction and failure of the vineyard. And he says, if you take on the attitude and the character of the sluggard, then the consequences of failure, of want, and destruction are certain. That's the lesson that he learned by looking at the vineyard of the sluggard. And so the divine imperative, remember I said that there's a divine imperative in the Proverbs? The divine imperative of this, this proverb is that we must learn from the certain consequences and behavior of the sluggard. And we must studi of, studiously avoid the characteristics of the sluggard in our lives. So, how might we apply this? Well, the issue or question is not really whether we are a sluggard or not, like in total, but I think more to what degree do we see characteristics of the sluggard in our lives? Or we might ask, in what areas do we manifest the character of the sluggard? So, again, what are they? Well, lack of self-discipline, foresight, procrastination, laziness, irresponsibility, lack of diligence, um, makes excuses, rationalizes, all of those things. And the consequences of the behavior? Failure, want, and destruction. So, I think the principle of application is that in any area of our life, in any area of our life, that we manifest these sluggard-like characteristics or qualities, we can expect the consequences of that behavior in that area. You see? So the, so the real question is not so much, am I a sluggard, but in what areas of my life am I a sluggard? It's possible to be very on top of your game and disciplined in some areas, yet in other areas to be very sluggard-like. And so some people may be very disciplined, for example, at work. I mean, they may be the best there is, but at home or in their marriage, they're kind of sluggard-like. So, think about the different vineyards, if you will, in your life. The different areas that, for which you have responsibility. And that would certainly be your home and your marriage and your family and your siblings. And it would include your personal finances it would include your job. It might include your school, your education. But don't stop there. Think also about 
your relationship to God. We have responsibilities in our relationship to God to seek Him, to draw close to Him in the Word and prayer and to worship Him and to serve Him and be good stewards and to share our faith, all of these kinds of responsibilities. And, and so in all of these areas that we mentioned, we have responsibilities. And so ask yourself, to what extent or to what degree Are you being like a sluggard in those areas? And know this for certain. That if you continue in that sluggard kind of behavior, this passage is a warning to us. It's a warning that you will experience that failure, want, and destruction in that area. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. If you take that attitude in your marriage, then you're, ma- you're, you're going to experience the consequences of that in your marriage. If you take that attitude in relationship to God, then you're, you're going to experience those consequences in your relationship to God as well in every area of our life. So as we think about 2012 and what you might desire for this year, think about areas of your life that are important and your relationship to God and resolve to avoid the sluggard in your life and you see this is not just a New Year's resolution this is a divine imperative let's pray We thank you, Father, for your word once again. And as we are together on this first day of this new year and reminded of the past and how you are able to redeem even our failures and our sins, and we look to the future, Lord. We do desire greater things for you. But, Lord, so often we're too much like the sluggard. And so, Father, I pray that you would be pleased to use your word in our lives to bring the truth of your word to remembrance throughout this year. That we don't want to be that way. That for those responsibilities that we've been given, may we be faithful. May we be diligent pursue those as we should we don't want to experience the consequences of the sluggard in any area of our life and so Father do do a good work in our hearts in our lives today in the coming days and throughout this year We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.